Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. Well, hey, y'all. Welcome to Let Me Introduce You, a film and friends podcast about three best friends since college. So, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Who Don't just, uh, say it. <laughs> Too long. Deep in our wisdom. Anyways, a film podcast about three best friends who get together and at least one of us has not seen the film that we discuss and we talk reactions and how good or terrible mm-hmm. it was. So I'm Ashley. I'm Katie. I'm Graham. You know, hopefully you've been following along. This is our, our first first season, doing really well. We're on episode nine, and we are wrapping up our third theme of politics. Uh, Ugh, can everything you, is political. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? No. I know, right? Three for three. So this week, we are going to be discussing... 2006's Idiocracy. But I would just like to note that it took me a while to pick a movie and that I bounced around a couple of times. First, I was like, uh, political movies? What? Uh, I couldn't think of anything. As we've already established, I have a hard time finding things that these two, at least, I, I always want to find something that you both haven't seen, but it, it just doesn't happen with our, our widely divergent mm-hmm. tastes, right? We have so much in common, except what we like to that watch. So I started off with the original Manchurian Candidate. I was like, yes, let's do that. And then it just felt a little too dark. Yeah, you think? <laughs> so, and I was like, I love it might my be political intrigue mixed time. with incest. I love it. <laughs> so oh, great. Weird. You just ruined it. I've never seen oh, it. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's still a great film. Great. It's, it's well done. And then I was like, mm, no, let's not do that. And then I swung wildly in a different direction, to 1998's Bullworth. Yes. But I realized, I was like, you know what? It's been so long since I've seen that, I don't really remember. <laughs> and then that ended up kind of being the case for this week's movie. I was like, oh, yeah, let's just do it. Like, hopefully the country hasn't devolved into complete insanity even further. Yeah, just just a reminder, listeners, we are recording before the election so we hope that you're all safe and happy and alive and... And what praising is- President Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Idiocracy. It's, it's something. It's something. Graham, being the person who has not seen this, would you like to give us your synopsis of what the, what the film's really about? I would be delighted to. Do it. Here I go. <laughs> All right, we begin in 2005. We are at a military base with this man, Joe Bowers, who is played by Luke Wilson. He is selected to be part of this experiment where they hibernate people for one year. I can't remember why they were doing this, but he is selected because he's the most average person they could find. And, oh, they wanted to do it because they wanted to, like, preserve smart people for for mm-hmm. later in the world, later in the future. Their best and their brightest. Their best and their brightest. So they selected him because he's totally average and no one's going to miss him. He has no family. He has nothing. So he is selected along with a prostitute named Rita, played by Maya Rudolph, who is selected because she agreed to do it. Wildly, wildly underused. Katie, I'm going to get to that later. Don't ruin it. (laughs) So we're still in the synopsis. So uh, she's chosen because if she does it, they're going to, you know, let go of all of her her charges. So 
Well, it was supposed to be one year. It ends up being 500 years because the military base is shut down. And he wakes up 500 years in the future in America. And everybody has devolved into just really dumb people who cannot string two sentences together. It is a world totally focused on consumerism. And he discovers that he is the smartest man in the world because he took an IQ test. And because he's the smartest man in the world, he is made Secretary of the Interior with the White House. Through this, he finds out that the reason all the crops are not growing is because they're watering them with kind of Gatorade. So he's like, hmm. Brondo. Brondo. Mm-hmm. So maybe y'all shouldn't do this. So he decides to say, hey, try it with water. That could help. And they do that. But Brondo employs everybody and the stock market crashes and everyone loses their jobs and everyone's upset with him. And... He's then put into this thing called rehabilitation in a monster truck kind of arena to make up for his sins. And he's basically going to be killed. While this is happening, Rita and his lawyer, Frito, who is played by Dak Shepard, decide let's connect a video camera to the crops to show that they are growing and that this is working and it will save everybody. And at the last minute, he's saved. He becomes president and has kids with Rita. And that's pretty much the movie. That is. That's the movie, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Visual gags throughout the film. I will say that. And just a lot of commentary on the dumbing down of America. Katie, is there anything else you want to add to that synopsis? Uh, No. It's <laughs> Graham did a Graham did a wonderful job. It's it's not the world's most convoluted movie, so he did he did a, a lovely job. Gracias. So Private Joe Bowers played by Luke Wilson, who was just really really having a, a heyday at the time. I was excited because he was an army librarian, mm-hmm. but then did like a bad portrayal of army librarians. <laughs> Sitting like, on I'm his just butt doing nothing. down here. He doesn't do and anything. Nobody bothers us. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it! Just more librarian <laughs> stereotypes. We work our asses slander, out. slander. I feel like most people, myself, and so I've I've seen this movie before. I think I saw it pretty soon to, to when it came out, but I just can't remember exactly when. But I think I think I saw it around 2006, and I don't think I've seen it since. But my memory of it was better. It had a lighter portrayal in my head as opposed to when I rewatched it last night. But my like overall criticism of this movie and the criticism that I hear from most people is that it's a good concept. It's just a really terrible execution. Totally. Totally. I think the beginning of this movie, they have this whole, I thought, amusing part about the the differences between people, quote unquote, intelligent, quote unquote, unintelligent people and them having children and how some people plan to have kids and they wait. And then some people just like don't care and have as many kids as possible. And it's just like, that's why there's so many dumb people in the world. And, And that part I think was like the edge that I thought the whole movie was going to have this kind of satire and then that stopped pretty quickly and it was almost like they just had like a kernel of an idea and then did not really grow beyond a certain level throughout the rest of it no see yeah that Graham that is my problem with it too because that opening scene is one of my favorite things and it's always 
kind of in my head as someone who does want children, but, you know, ha just hasn't yet. In my head, I'm like, oh, God. So I think about that all the time. And I wish the rest of the movie had kind of, like, I like the some of the satire with consumerism in the future, but this storyline just totally unravels for me in being funny or making sense or have make being good. <laughs> but I, I always love the opening. Yeah, the opening has a lot of potential. So I had a vague memory of like, oh, I enjoyed it, you know, and I think it was probably more something of its time, even if it was just 2006. I feel like at least as a human, I've I've kind of evolved. So it, it comes from the mind of writer-director Mike Judge, you know, of Office Space, Beavis and Butthead, Yay. King of the Hill. And I loved Office Space. I remember when we were in college, like the the AMC at Fenway did like midnight showings of it, you know, and everybody would go and be whatever. I wasn't the biggest fan of Beavis and Butthead. I was more of a Daria person. Oh, yes. That tracks. Yeah. And I watched some King of the Hill. I feel like I kind of want to like rewatch it. But yeah, it was Mike Judge. He came up with the idea. He was at Disneyland with his family and he saw two mothers with kids in strollers and they were just fighting and cursing at each other. And he thought it would just be horrible if humanity ended up like that in the future. <laughs> just everyone. <laughs> and it's not, it's not a, like the premise is not new. It was previously used in The Marching Morons, which was a short story by Cyril Kornbluth and... You know, there have been other things similar to it, like Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. It's that, what was it, the Epsilon minus semi-morons. See, it, it reminded me of H.G. Wells' Time Machine because... That's what I was just about to oh, say. No, nice. Yeah. yeah no, that was perfect. <gasps> Look at that. Our minds are just so insane. It reminds me of the Eloy in the Time Machine, which I know is on a... I, I feel like I put that on our list of future movies to discuss, the 1960 Time Machine movie. But yeah, I kept thinking, I'm like... No, I actually like the Eloy better than, than what the people turn into in the year, what, 2505 or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's prescient, if I can, just to be an intellectual asshole, that like the ideas of anti-intellectualism and intellectual curiosity is gone. And so is social responsibility and justice and human rights, because it feels like we're very much fighting for that, mm. right? Like. If everything is a binary, because things have gotten so polarized in the United States. And this this film is very centered on the United States. One of the early script, script titles was the United States of uh, America. Which <laughs> 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 so I was like, oh, that was a good one. I feel like it, now um, they would just title it like America. Like the, the America. America, that, yeah. But it, it also made me think, like, what if it's just the U.S.? Like, somehow... The rest of the world's like, y'all are fucking idiots and just walled us off, you know, and like truly <laughs> the wall got yeah. built, but we're all trapped yeah. inside. And I think that's maybe what's almost coloring our impressions of it now, because it's like it's almost too much like what we're seeing today. And it's yeah. almost like a depressing experience watching this because what a yeah, what joke. Did, what did you think? What did you think of it as someone who'd seen it for the first time? I so I had heard about this being a bit of a cult film for quite some time. And I remember when it was coming out, how strange it was that it got barely a release. Because, yeah. because you had Mike Judge of Beavis and Butthead fame, Office Space, while it was a bomb, was still starting to become a real big cult film in the early aughts. King of the Hill was still on TV. 
So he was mm-hmm. this prospective guy, and then it kind of just came out barely. It made $444,000 total, which is is pretty embarrassing, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with the amount of theaters that it was released in, I think it was released in about 130. You'd think mm-hmm. with the backing of the popularity of King of the Hill, Beavis and Butthead, the Mike Judge name, it would still get some kind of a notice, but there was no promotion for this movie. Yeah, there was literally yeah. nothing. Like, there were no... It wasn't released to critics. There was no trailer. There was no marketing because 20th Century Fox basically kind of got, like, cold feet because they were afraid of, like, how it's mocking all these, like, large brands or whatever. And they, you know, and it got shelved for a while, too. And they're like, oh, we just have to release this. But it originally released in six cities, not including New York City. And it only ever had wide release in 130 theaters, which is, I mean, normally a wide release is 600 or more. And so they did not want this to succeed. And it, it didn't. And it's so... It's so clearly reflective of like the marketing beast, mm-hmm. if you will, that that even with his name recognition and Luke Wilson and Maya Rudolph, like yeah. they're still like, no. I would say the budget was not big for this movie. So I guess a point in its favor is that it doesn't look as cheap as it was made for. So it was made for, I think, between two and four million dollars. Oh. So I all right, like they they made it look like a $10 million movie. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that this was something that looks like there were a lot of reshoots that were done to, to fill spots in or to make sense of certain things. I was really bothered by some of the language in this movie. Oh my like, God, yes. really bothered by it. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about that. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of usage of the, of the R word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of usage of fag in this movie, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I get why it was used in some respects because you want to say, "Oh, these people are so unintelligent; they're using these words, right?" Yeah, but it was used so often that mm-hmm. it was. To me, as a gay person watching this, I'm like, this is just straight boy humor with no Mm -hmm. substance. This is made for guys who don't shave their necks. Like, (laughs) like, (laughs) like this is made for guys who like use who who use it on the playground when they are growing up. It totally threw me off. Like at the beginning, I got it, and then as it was peppered throughout, especially at the end, I was like, this movie almost feels like dated when it was released in 2006 because I don't remember a lot of com- I don't watch a lot of straight comedies so in the in the mid-aughts were there a lot of movies like this using that language or was this this felt like more of like 90s humor I didn't remember how poorly this movie is aged like when I when I was thinking about this movie I could I could you know I could remember the opening and I remember mm-hmm. you know Camacho and I remember the fight scene I didn't remember the language usage so I don't know if my memory is is the best thing I don't think so and I had the same kind of reaction where I was like okay people are so like I don't know if this movie was intelligent enough to put that in as a commentary on how dumb people have gotten in the future and how like they just don't think of anyone else but themselves, I don't think this movie was smart enough to 
use it in that way. I think they were probably trying to use it to be funny. And it's, it's a bummer because I'm like, I really like Mike Judge and I really, you know, yeah. I, I love Office Space. I love Beavis and Butthead. I don't, I think King of the Hill is boring as hell. But disagree, was, disagree. <laughs> but when I'm watching this, I was like, there were some like there were some legit laughs that I there had were. watching it, and like I, there were some things that I thought were really funny, but there were other things that I'm just like, man, you don't need you don't need it, you don't you don't need it. Yeah, it just like it turned me off so much right at the beginning, where you know over the last 14 years and even just over the last five years, just kind of growing my own consciousness, being like a white cisgendered heterosexual woman, and like recognizing all my privilege and like seeing a lot more things that society never wanted me to see because it wanted to, like, reinforce all my privilege. I was like, oh, I literally said, how racist is this film? And I was just like, oh, this is super homophobic. And it just, yeah, it wasn't smart enough to poke enough fun at anti-intellectualism. It didn't thread that needle for me. I was like, this just isn't good. Yeah, it's just a bunch of, like, straight white dude humor. Then And, like... You're totally fucking underutilizing Maya Rudolph yeah, throughout the yeah. whole film. Like, she is amazing. She yeah. is hilarious. So, with Mike Judge, I'm thinking especially about King of the Hill, which is about working class people and, like, a kind of a love letter to, to them and, and treats those characters with so much respect. This movie's, like, I got a huge classist vibe from it. Yeah. That, that also is like, oh... If you're, if there's just like this strange thing of like if you're unintelligent and you and you're poor, like you're un, like you're unworthy, and it just this kind of ugh, kind of feeling I got from that. Did anyone catch yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the narrator says in the beginning that language has devolved into what it was like Grunts. hillbilly and it, yeah, the, but Valley the but girl, the word the word yeah yeah hillbilly yeah. So when you think about the where those come from and like the different class of people that are stereotyped for speaking that way yeah it's it's definitely a very classist film i looked at the other writer of this which is eaton cohen oh yeah which and... i accidentally read as ethan cohen as i was oh. watching i was like <laughs> the cohen brothers are involved <laughs> yeah so my mistake i knew there were hacks You're like no wonder i didn't like <laughs> makes sense why there's so much homophobia in this because he wrote the garbage film get hard which yeah, he is he also an inc- did Tropic Thunder, even, yeah. Yeah, like Get Hard is incredibly homophobic, and mm-hmm. so this is like a through line with his with his career. <laughs> Yeesh. Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. You, a recent Goldie, like Golden Raspberry Award winner for worst director for oh, Holmes, no. Holmes and Watson. The so Razzies. things have Oof. just been on the up and up for him. If I had had a clear memory of how homophobic it was, I would not have picked it because it's just like why are why. There are just certain things where I'm like, why do we waste our, our time on on certain things? Well, but I there are also parts where you're like, I wish this was better. Yes. You had the opportunity. You had the a way to be better. Mm-hmm. And you fucked it That's up. That's why I think this movie is like ripe to be remade, especially in a post-Trump world. Because all of the articles and everything you read about it right now is like, oh my God, it came true. Or, oh, it yeah. turned into a documentary. or yeah. Which, I mean, if if we if we analyze that, it's a little terrifying, but I think that the concept is still a good one and can be re-executed in a better way. Agreed. But, yeah. Well, can we, we should, do we want to talk about things we liked? Because there are a couple of things yes. I liked. Yeah, <laughs> go, let's talk about the things you liked. I liked the whole Costco stuff, all the Costco stuff in this movie. So basically in the film, 
Frito, Dak Shepard, is like, I know where there's a time machine and we can get back to back to where you came from. And they find out that it's like at a cost. They go to a Costco Mm -hmm. and it's just like this gigantic, massive Costco (laughs) that takes up, I don't know, a whole state or something. And there's a great line in it because Frito is a lawyer and he goes, yeah, I went to law school here. I know, I love that. I thought that was funny. That was good. I was like, oh, that's the kind of, that's that's funny humor. I like that. I really, so I have kind of like a Dak Shepard blind spot in my life. I, I, I was like, have I ever watched him? I was like, he maybe he was in an episode of like Parks and Rec or something, but I've never really seen anything else of his other than this. And I thought he was really funny. He, he, he kept making me laugh. And I like his lazy boy in his house with the toilet in it. Oh, yeah. And I mean. Oh, God. Yeah. When he got up, yeah. I was like, oh, like, I don't have, you know, I, I laugh at the three of us don't have the most highbrow humor all the time. Excuse me. Oh, God. What? No. I we only. Making- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, seeing the toilet in his, in the lazy boy. I'm just yeah. Like, I'm starting to crack now. A lot of like this film has a lot of legit good visual gags that you have like this is you, you shouldn't have your phone out when you are watching this yeah, because Ashley. Like, you're gonna Ashley I did have my phone yeah, out Ashley did you like, oh, yeah but cool. like all of the this different signs that are you know jokes with all the different companies and and the whole you know lazy boy stuff like you if you didn't see if you didn't catch it like you, you missed out on a lot of good jokes I love 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 office space so I like seeing a lot of the same actors from office space in this film because I don't see too much of, like, David Herman. I don't see too much of David Herman mm, anymore. And yeah, he made yeah. me laugh a lot in Office Space, and I thought he was really funny in this, too. Quick yeah. plug for Dak Shepard. Yeah. The NBC Parenthood series. Yes. He is in that. Oh, my God. You need to see Parenthood. He's also kind of yummy in that. Hmm, all right. I don't find him attractive, but I kind mm. of do in that show. Like a little little yum-yum, mm-hmm. little gummy. <laughs> It's it's a great oh TV God, show. So oh my God, no, it's just packed it. with great films. He's so sensitive in it. Uh, Put it on your yep. list, Katie. <laughs> I'm a bad TV watcher. Film, fine. TV is tough for me. It's like a bunch of tiny films, but like strung it. together. Thank you. Over years. And and then it makes uh, <laughs> one big film. I was very happy to see Patrick Fischler, <laughs> though. He was the actor who played like the husband in the opening scene. The, the rich white oh, yeah. husband, yeah. because we just did a Mad Men rewatch in this house, and I was like, oh, it's Jimmy that's Barrett. Right. Yeah. But also that just that's, that scene where she's like, he had a heart attack masturbating for his semen donation, so, you know. That's how I want to go. <laughs> 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 well, practice Wait, makes perfect, I have always Graham. wanted to go in my sleep. Yes. <laughs> Can we talk about Luke Wilson? Yes. Yes. So, oh, my God, I had a thing for Luke Wilson. I, uh, I think uh, he's. I think, despite the fact that the movie's not great, I think he's perfectly cast as the most average man in America. Mm-hmm. I do find him adorable, though. He was like a big deal at this, like a big deal for, I don't know, half a decade. Oh, yeah. When yeah. was Legally Blonde? Oh one. Oh one. Okay. Yeah, it was a. It was a few years before this, and so he'd been in Legally Blonde, and then Legally Blonde the second. He'd been in Royal Tenenbaums, yeah. Anchorman, Stuck on You, Old School. You know, so he was just like having a bit of a heyday, you know, and really both of the Wilson brothers were, were getting really, really popular at this time. And then Beef Supreme yes. is actually their older brother, Andrew Wilson. Beef Supreme is the guy in the rehabilitation at the end who's like the best and most badass guy who's killed all the people 
in in rehabilitation. Yeah. Also, in my opinion, sixty-two the, kills. The most attractive. He's of the Wilson very brothers. attractive. Mm-hmm. He really. Where is, is he? Why is he a? Just, well, I, just keeping it subtle. I'm mad you know? that he doesn't say anything because you don't get to hear that Texas, you know, accent that He's the Wilson a, brothers mm, know for. Mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. He looks. I'm gonna Google. Like... I'm gonna Google him shirtless later. <laughs> Pornhub, you're welcome to sponsor us if you'd like. <laughs> or Google. Google, you could sponsor us. <laughs> Google, by, by all means. It's totally fine. Wilson Brothers, we're open to sponsorships from you, too. <laughs> it was funny. He was giving me very, Except like, Owen. snake snake Pliskin vibes. Yes. Which is kind of funny, given this movie and giving, you know, Escape from New York and Escape yep. from L.A. But, yes, he was big, big fan Guys, of watching I've never him. seen those. Add to the list. Jesus yeah, Christ. I, I actually literally I felt I fell asleep during an escape to watching Escape to New York with Bob one time. It's because you were on your phone and not paying attention to the to the fun of no. It's because I had too much wine to drink. Sleep. <laughs> but we've we've mentioned a couple times. But my Rudolph given nothing to do in no. this movie. Nothing. I was thinking about this though. You know, my Rudolph today is my Rudolph. Today, you know, like mm-hmm. she's she's had years and years of just like amazing character work and so many phenomenal performances. Was this one of her first movie roles? Was she still in Saturday Night Live at this time? Because I'm wondering if that is why we had such larger expectations for her and were completely mm-hmm. underwhelmed by it. Because what bothered me is that she doesn't even play with her voice in this movie. How she doesn't how she does it in so many other performances. It's just, it's just very mm-hmm. flat. Yeah. That was, that was my problem with it too. Like I liked seeing her con the guy for money in the mm-hmm. future, but I was expecting, you know, something more to happen with upgrade. I was expecting maybe, you know, maybe she, her like, pimp. Yeah. Yeah. Her pimp is named upgrade and she is terrified of him and paying him back. So I was almost expecting like a descendant of upgrades to to come or or something, but she, she yeah, her her character is not given jack all to do, and I didn't think they had any chemistry either. Her yeah. and Luke Wilson. Well, upgrade does show up in the future. Yeah, the the, the scene after the there's credits. A, yeah, there's a post. Oh, I didn't scene. stay to watch the post credit scene. Whoops. Yes. Yeah, so my bad. I mean, it was like what? whatever. Like. <laughs> Where's our sequel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it opens it up for a sequel, but you're like, but do we need we one? We don't need it. What, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do with this? And also like, just like the one female lead has to be a prostitute in this. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Well, that's because they couldn't find any average enough women in the military because women are exemplary. That's true. She had a lot of like really smaller roles in this. I want to say this was around the time or after the whole like mom jeans mm-hmm. skit on SNL, which was just hilarious. Yep. I guess I can see that of like, had she developed a little bit more or did she feel like she had a place where she could do that? Or what were the other dynamics that were going on while this was being made that didn't allow for that to happen? Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Terry Crews? Yes. So Terry Crews plays President <sighs> Comancho. It's like a really long name. Yeah. Though. Yeah. I and and an it's actual like President name. Whatever, whatever, Mountain Dew, Camacho. <laughs> um, and I because everyone great. is named after brands, right? Yes. Like, there's like mm. a newscaster called Velveeta, which I thought was a funny joke. <laughs> <was a> <laughs> yeah. the, the, the Fox News commentators I thought were great. Yeah, and Fox News is the only one. Like all, like so many brands are kind of 
blurred or morphed into something else, but Fox News was still staying the like same. Like how Fuddruckers is buttfuckers? <laughs> yeah. I, I know yeah. the dumbest joke, but I kept laughing every And then time there's, I he like it. sees like a kid's birthday party happening in buttfuckers. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and how Starbucks now provides sex worker services. Yeah. And I was, I was another, not prepared for that. That was another joke. Like a latte is like a hand job or something. Yeah. Or something mm. like that. When Luke Wilson is like, yeah, you know, can we, can we just stop by Starbucks and Dax Shepard's like, we don't have time for a hand job. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. But Terry Crews, first of all, I think he's a, a lovely human. He stopped by our office once, and he was very sweet. So I liked I liked his performance. How big um, is he? He's a big dude. He's an ex-football player, you know? He's huge. Oh, he was? I don't know. Yeah. Mm, sports. Mm, sports. Unless it's gymnastics, <laughs> I'm not interested. Sprats. <laughs> I, I say I say. I say that all the time. I like Terry Crews up until like the last eight I agree, Ashley. (laughs) We talk a little bit about how people compare this movie to like, they're like, it's a documentary or what it's turned into. Apparently Eaton Cohen, the, the other screenwriter of this movie had tweeted something about like, Oh, it's for real or whatever. And with the Trump administration in 2016 and Terry Crews was in talks to do some sort of commercials, like, saying, hey, don't vote for Trump, saying anti-Trump stuff. And Terry Crews didn't want to do it because he's like, I don't want to be anti-anything. Apparently, he, he's thinking that, like... I'm going to roll my eyes at that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah. Uh, it's okay to be anti-fascist. <laughs> okay, Terry Crews? What he was saying, yeah, the quote is, I'm not interested in being anti-anything. As a comedian... Oh, this is the writer of this Vanity Fair article. As a comedian, and this is the truth, when you start picking sides is not funny anymore, so we decided to hold off, and we didn't do it and which was kind of a bummer for me who said this eaton cohen eaton cohen said that oh who is eaton cohen he's the co-writer he's the co-writer no but i mean like but like who is this man okay i'm like i'm getting deeper oh as he is a person (laughs) who is he really as a person who are you really yeah so i was kind of bummed that's bummer yeah yeah because i I thought those commercials would be kind of funny because like this film is supposed to have a bite as biting social commentary and then to come back but it wasn't very well yes i agree but like 10 years later to be like okay now have a bite please now Mm -hmm. like stand for something they're like no we're not gonna do that so you know screw you Enjoy your yeah. Razzie Award in two years, you hack. This movie, I I think all the, all the time, I'll be just hanging around my house, not really doing anything, and in my head I'm like, it's what plants crave. Electrolytes, it's, it's what plants crave. I don't know why. <laughs> it just pops into my head. Well, that's funny because like, you saw this in 2006, never saw it again, and that stuck with nope. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anytime I there have are... a Gatorade or something, I'm like, it's what plants crave. It's what plants crave. It's what yeah. plants crave. <laughs> to tie it back to Nixon. Oh. Um, oh. When, when President Joe Bowers is giving his inauguration speech, he raises both middle fingers over his head based on Nixon's V. And I, like, because I wasn't paying attention, I didn't see that. But I did see a point when President Camacho did that when he was, like, nominating Joe. And I was like, oh, look at that. Look, I inadvertently picked something that had a tie to Nixon. <laughs> so really that, maybe. Just kidding, guys. Do you guys watch Rick and Morty or no? No. God damn it. I've only seen a few episodes. There's a episode of Rick and Morty where Rick creates his own uni- his own micro universe to power his car battery, and when he goes there, he pretends he's you know this god and this president of whatever. And as a greeting, instead of you know the peace sign or whatever, he gives two middle fingers. 
So in my head, I'm like, Rick and Morty stole from this movie. <laughs> everything is stolen from everything. It's very true. Yeah, there's very little that's original. And also, just like, Flipping the Bird feels so good. I, I don't, don't know, know why. when the last time I've done that. I just like. Oh, I do it to my oh, boyfriend. All I the love time. it. You do? Just, oh my god, I would be. So, I would feel so sad to do that to Brandon. Of course you would. No. no. I actually did it to Phoebe once, and I got really sad. <gasps> I apologize to her. <laughs> my dog. No. Well, don't do it to Phoebe. Oh, Never do it to the dog. Never to the dog. Yeah, and then I was like, I'm I so. Like I, I was like, I'm so sorry, Phoebe, and she's like, How could you? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Dad, She's getting on that? my nerves. <laughs> when I learned how to get the finger, I would be like, I would try to get away with it, doing it to like my sisters from across the kitchen table. <laughs> I'm like scratching my eyebrow. Oh, of course. Like, mm. They're like, he is putting up his middle finger at me. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm <laughs> scratching my eyebrow. Stop lying, you liar. You know, and I was the youngest, so I, I always got away with it. We would do the, where you hold up the whole fist. Like oh. this with all the fingers pointing up, and you say, what is this? And it's a bouquet of these, the middle fingers. Middle fingers. <laughs> oh. So instead of just giving the middle finger, which of course we would get in trouble for, we would just hold up the whole hand. That's a good one. I like the where you like crank it up. <laughs> yeah. It takes too long. Yeah. Or like you, you blow you blow and go yeah. and bring it up. I also really loved, it's nothing to do with idiocracy, <laughs> but maybe this is how we devolve into yes. idiocracy. <laughs> Is the scene in the Veronica Mars movie when she's like there for some FBI or whatever interview, and it's like she takes off the lipstick and uh, is applying it to her lips <laughs> to that guy across her mouth. Fly. Sorry. This is this is how we devolve into idiocracy. We're not actually discussing film merits, and we just start talking about other things. Oh, but man. This is what the film wanted you know? us to do. <laughs> There's a very small Surgeon General's warning seen on the Tarleton's cigarettes billboard, and it reads, Warning. The Surgeon General has one lung and a voice box, but he could still kick your sorry ass. <laughs> like, I like when films just like hide little, not like hide, but just there is that level of detail. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking about the set design and being like, I wonder how much time and energy went in to making the world look like shit. You know? uh, the, the, the way this whole movie looked, I'm like, I, yeah, I, 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 it made me feel tired looking at like the number the amount of fast food and the amount of like logos everywhere and the amount of garbage and how horrible everything looks like I had a like visceral reaction where I'm just like oh mm-hmm. this is horrible. Yeah. It was not an aesthetically pleasing movie. No. But it wasn't supposed to be. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like it really added to that. Yeah. No, I know that that was on purpose, but yeah, I'm just like the clothes, like the prison uniform that Luke Wilson wears and the clothes that Dax Shepard wears, they're like that shiny polyester. And mm-hmm. I hate that. And so I'm watching and I'm just like, like I'm watching it the whole time. And I'm just like, I just feel uncomfortable. So you just feel your skin not breathing. I just, and just, I just don't like, like it. Ugh. But I get yeah. it. Everything's comfortable. If you could travel backwards or forwards in time, which way would you go? Quick question: That if you go backwards, does your trip affect the future, or is there? No, it's not, we're not going to do that. that. No, that is an excellent we're not question, doing a sound though. of thunder here. No, 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 no. I just want to know. That was one of my favorite short stories. As is a kid. it just? Are you just observing? Is my question. You're going, you going for like. To... You're going for like a weekend or like a little trip. Trip. I would go to the past. How far back? You get to pick one. One time to go. One one era. Katie, dinosaurs, done. No, I because Where's I don't she gonna wanna, sleep? I don't wanna die. 
Yeah. I would love to see the dinosaurs. That would be awesome. Yeah, are you guaranteed to live? Yes, no, you're just scenario. guys just going for a weekend. It's fine. It's a little okay. vacation. So you can't get hurt. You can't die. Well, you could get hurt if you like get eaten by a like a Okay, mammoth. because all right, so then yeah, that would be two different questions because if you pick a time where you would travel to live instead, then I would probably pick the 70s. But if you pick a time just to observe, I mean, you I I do would kind of want to see go back to the Cretaceous. Okay. Just to see the dinosaurs. Uh, that's a really hard question, though. Come back to me. What do you guys think? Well, you just answered it. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to go to the future. Yeah? Yeah. Just thinking about how much development there's been in the last 50 years or the last 25 30 years, wide release of the internet and everything else. I think I want to jump like 50, do a couple hundred years in the future and just see like where have we ended up. But then I'm also terrified that if I come back and like I go there and things aren't that much better, then I'm, it'll be like, what's, what's the point? Well, if you go, Nothing we do if you go is 50 matter. years in the future, come hang out with Katie and me at the beach. <laughs> if, there, if there still is one. <laughs> I'll be wrinkly, but I'll be on the beach. No, we're not. No, we're going to do so much Botox. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're going to wear a lot of sunscreen yeah. and have yeah. umbrellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. Just, nope. yeah. Yeah. If California hasn't Grandma fallen went to the ocean, what would you do? Oh, I would go for a weekend in the summer, 1979, New York, go to Studio 54 on a Friday night, and then go to Fire Island for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. All the days. <laughs> that sounds great. Yes. I love how you just know. Well, I think about it a lot. <laughs> I listen to a lot of time. I listen to a lot of disco. So <laughs> I want to be there deep when it's like disco. deep cut disco, like 14 minute long songs. And I want to be with people who know every word and we're all just jamming together on the dance floor for that whole song which may also be some people's version of, of an idiocracy hey i'm not saying it is i'm just saying for some folks they may not like that well for you for me it is the pinnacle yeah. of where society can go <laughs> exactly can so this movie yeah I feel like all the future God. dystopian stuff right now is, it all feels very similar in tone. Like when you look at things like Hunger Games or Divergent or Minority Report or whatever the hell, it's all got that similar feel and tone. I kind of want to know what a dystopian future looks like that didn't have like a nuclear fallout mm. or that society hasn't devolved into like eating each other. I kind of want to know what like that different track of like taking a, a a dystopian future movie and making it a comedy i think is a good idea that'd be kind of fun any fi filmmakers out there if you're listening let's do it please also <laughs> give us a percentage of profits <laughs> we need it <laughs> yes because what did i say about copyright in a previous episode i've already, mailed, I've already mailed it to myself it's fine okay good okay. <laughs> certified mailed it to myself there was one point when like Earlier on in the film, they were talking about how there were, you know, scientists, or whatever, but they were all focused on hair loss and erections. <laughs> and I go, <laughs> the, yeah. the patriarchy, the patriarchy just fucks all of us again. That's true. So, That's true. That, that was really it's funny. very, very true. That was a good joke. It did 
I will say, like, you know, prior to GoFundMe and everything else, people playing slot machines to try to get medical care. Oh, I was God. like, oof. That's too close to home. It is, <laughs> it is too close to home. And it's really like, who do you know who would actually, you know, fund you or if it goes viral or whatever, you know? And it just, and it was kind of scary the way that, like, she didn't know how to diagnose it. She's picking pictures. Like, we've, we've gone back to... We've gone past language in order to something we, just pictorial. We have that right now. If you guys have seen like the the pain chart, and I think it's more for people who either don't speak English or can't communicate, but it's got all these smiley faces on it, and you're supposed to, or, or frowny faces if you're in pain, of course, and you're supposed to point to whichever one you're feeling. They have that already. It's in most doctors' offices and hospitals. I haven't been to a doctor in recently. Ashley, take care of your body. I go to the gynecologist. Oh, great. Take care of that, too. <laughs> oh. They, do, I the just, full, they I, do the full thing most of the time. They okay. do the blood pressure and the... Yeah, they do the most of the thing. No. I haven't had a physical since college. So, well, yeah. Ma'am. It's been half my life. We are getting I older. I I was like, I'm going to do it. I got vision insurance this year. Woo. I was like, I'm going to add on vision and then the pandemic hit, yeah. and I was like, you know what? I don't really need to go get a physical. What I really enjoy about other films that we watch is that there will be one of us who is so dedicated to it, and there's always one person who's got some haterade, but we all just went, meh. But I think this is also this interesting one. because you remembered liking it, and then upon rewatching, you're like, ooh, actually. Yeah. So it just shows that like sometimes things that we have enjoyed in the past just have not aged well. Nope. Yeah. So, so Graham, this is, th- I'm. This is a definite no. Don't rewatch for you. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, would... I rank it above Halloween three. <gasps> oh, See, I would rewatch. Words, Hall- I would rewatch Halloween three before I would rewatch Idiocracy. I'm kidding. Actually, because I yeah. still don't get it, and I would just want to watch it with somebody who loves it a lot, <laughs> who do running commentary. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> right? Anytime. I would not rewatch this, but I would watch the opening scene like on YouTube or something. Yeah. So I would rewatch the opening scene again, but I wouldn't watch the whole movie. Yeah, again. so if you're listening, try to find that opening scene on YouTube. It's the best part of the movie. Yeah, and then you're set. As for streaming, where did you guys watch this movie? HBO Max. Yeah, that's where I watched it too. Yeah. As did I watched it on HBO. It is on Amazon Prime. It's on Voodoo. You can purchase it on iTunes. Literally every time I want to try to find a movie, I just Google like movie name streaming and then yeah, I go you know, to Decider. Like four of them pop up. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. Wait, what does Decider do? It just like you type in a movie and it tells you. It tells you. Oh, oh wow. Decider. I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and it's got hot links to wherever links. the movie is. So oh, that's great. Links. Yeah, it's, it's a great site. Okay, cool. So, decider people, if you listen. I, I have decided to use Decider, it. we would also like you to uh, sponsor I us. have a friend yes. who works there. So Katie, ta- hook us up. Make it work. <laughs> I'll try. Nothing gets done in this world without connections. <laughs> well, we wrapped up our theme, politics. Uh. Uh, everything is political. <laughs> I'm so glad Just it's Just really, really went out with a fizzle, but that's okay. Because we can start with a bang on our next one. Graham, would you like to introduce just everything? Just tell us what's coming up next. So, first of all, our next episode is our 10th episode, Double Digits. Yay! And we're doing something new, meaning we're doing four weeks of our theme instead of the usual three. And you'll understand this after I describe next week's episode. So, we're moving into... 
Christmas! Yay. Chris, yes. Holly, yay. <laughs> Holly, yay. Did you just yay. come up with that? No, I had it. I wrote it down like four days ago. Uh, so. <laughs> well, still very good. <laughs> so we're doing Holly A as our theme. We're doing four straight weeks of holiday-centered movies, specifically Christmas. Or if we find something for Hanukkah, we can absolutely watch that as well. Kwanzaa. So next week is new for us. All three of us are going to be talking about different our favorite holiday specials. So these have to be... Under 45 minutes, we each are going to select one, and we're just going to basically talk about talk about each of them in one episode. Maybe we can maybe feature other specials that we like, but that's going to be our episode next week. And we do have our selected. So, Katie, what is yours? So, I am going to be introducing you, first of all, let me say, it is very hard to pick any Christmas movie that Graham and Ashley have not seen. It's close to impossible. So I dug deep. I really, I was really obsessed with Christmas as a kid. Yeah. I mean, we are all raised, like, Christian, right? Yeah, with like, Christmas. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I just but celebrated like, more both. more secular. Oh, that's right. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to dig, dig really deep to find something that they hadn't seen and that was holiday-themed. So I'm going to be introducing Graham and Ashley to Laurel and Hardy's Big Business, mm. which is going to be also our first black and white and silent film. Ooh. So I'm, I'm super excited to talk about it. I know I really wanted to pick the Star Wars Christmas special, but it is insanely long and god-awful. So okay. that doesn't fit within our parameter. Yeah, but I Laurel looked... and Hardy, I, I want to introduce you guys to. So. Okay. And Ashley, what about you? My Christmas special recommendation is a Walt Disney Christmas. It's actually a collection of six shorts. I used to wear out that VHS, and I am so excited to re-experience it and share it with y'all. And Graham, what what will you be showing us? Oh my god, Ugh, I'm so excited. We are going to watch the wonderful TV special from 1987, A Muppet Family Christmas. <gasps> this is not... Yay. A Muppet Christmas Carol. This yeah, is a which is fucking fantastic and yeah. one of my favorite movies. This is Muppet Family Christmas. Now, what I'm going to tell you to do is you're going to go search for it on YouTube. And there are several links. You will have to select the one that is over 50 minutes long. So I think there's a couple different versions that are under 50 minutes. The reason you don't want to pick that is because those are taken from the DVD, which cut out a lot of songs. So, you want to pick the version that is over 50 minutes. I'll put a link on our Instagram for us to, to launch. But that is the full version that aired in 1987. It also includes commercials from that time period. Yes, I was Yay! just going to ask so, you, does it have commercials? I'm oh. very excited. It's, it's amazing. So, I'm so excited to talk about that. Yay! Oh, this is going to be great. Oh, and it's Thanksgiving next week. Yay! Well, this yes. th- will be the perfect way to kick off the holiday season. Yes. So we hope you, you join us. Make sure to follow us also on the Instagram. At, on, on the Instagram? Instagram. On the Instagram. <laughs> and on, on the Twitters. <laughs> on the Twitters. Our Instagram handle is Let Me Intro You Pod. And our Twitter is Let Me Intro You. Please make sure to follow us and interact with us. Yeah, send us, some, send us some some DMs. Let's hear it. There's bonus content as well. You can see us recording the videos and things like that. So Yes. It is so much fun. Mm-hmm. I do love when those pop up. Mm-hmm. Graham, you do a great job. Thank mm-hmm. you. The Twitter handle is a little lazy. Sorry, that's on me. <laughs> But like, if you don't want to be overwhelmed with stuff, go for it. But if you want, <laughs> if you want the hot content, go to Instagram. Yeah. 
do it. Y'all, this was lovely. As always. Thank you. Hopefully we're all surviving. Yes. And if you're not, I mean, if things did not go the way or we're still waiting to hear, remember that joy is an act of resistance. And even if Biden did win, like, it's not the time to stop. We got to just keep going. Do it. So let this podcast be a, a source of joy for you and refill your cup as we work to make the world a better place. Thank you, President Ashley. <laughs> President Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. Ashley. Oh, my God. <laughs> it would actually be President Cherry Coca-Cola. There we go. But made with grenadine. There we Ashley. go. <laughs> Love we it. Go. Well, thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.